Hello again, and welcome. I feel so energized when I meet people who are 100% dedicated to their belief. Dr. Cheryl White is one of those people. Dr. White is the executive director of the foundation of the Sarver Corporation, hired to serve as the ministry arm of that corporation. Her role involves giving back to the communities in the five states where Sarver Corporation serves, focusing on the homeless, mental and spiritual health, aid and providing support to women caught up in slave trafficking. And all of this responsibility came about because of her belief in a centuries-old cause. Welcome, Dr. Cheryl White. Thank you so very much. I appreciate being here. Well, we appreciate your story, Dr. White. But what I find most interesting is that you have not only believed in a cause from centuries past, but you are still deeply physically and emotionally involved in that same cause today. Let's talk mm -hmm. about you and your legacy that you're working to sustain. First of all, mm -hmm. just tell us about who you are. Okay, well, I am um, a minister for over 30 years working with children and youth. Um, I moved to Havilland, Kansas in 1995 to teach at Barclay College, which was a dream I'd always had to teach at a college. And that's where I was introduced to Laura Smith Havland, who was the namesake of the town, Havilland, Kansas, where Barclay College is located. Um, it was just fascinating to me because uh, my students would tell me about her, but they knew very little about her. And it just it plunged me into a a um, a journey where I have have uh, researched um, I my underground uh, angel book, which was the result of that research, came about through first of all through a doctoral dissertation, and then uh, just the passion that I had for her life. It was just incredible. Um, I don't know. I just felt like there was a part of me <laughs> that I found in her. And um, she was just so uh, amazing with her uh, leadership in creating 27 networks of the Underground Railroad Station in her area, uh, Linowee County, Michigan. She um, walked alongside Sojourner Truth in changing the streetcar laws of Washington, D.C. in 1865, and that's an amazing story. She just was so passionate about uh, serving those who, you know, were just uh, invisible in our country and who were abused and, and beaten in our country. And so, I don't know, that just uh, created something within me that I, I just have never, have never gotten past because I feel like there's such need in our country today and that her life, her work um, was something that needed to continue in the 21st century. There are a lot of young people listening to this interview who may not be familiar with the Underground Railroad. Can you give us just a brief mm -hmm. history of, of it, and why was it so important in the overall history of this country? So it's a little bit difficult to give a, an actual history because they did not keep documents at that time. They were a secretive group that uh, provided um places, safe spaces where uh, they would guide slaves to hide and move them from place to place all the way, um, you know, up the uh, eastern seaboard and uh, in Michigan where Mrs. Havlin was 
she was in um, the Raisin Area Valley, which is in Lenawee County. And then they would go to Toledo. It was kind of a decoy station. They'd go up to Detroit and over into the Detroit River into Canada. And Mrs. Havland um, is really um, much better known than people realize. She is the Mrs. Smith, S-M-Y-T-H, in um, Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's um, Uncle Tom's cabin. An Uncle Tom's cabin, right? I, when you were telling me about the route, it made me think about taking an Amtrak <laughs> train to somewhere, right? You know where you you. I want to go to um, California, but I have to go to Washington D.C. first, then a, then Atlanta, <laughs> you know, then Detroit, that's and then fine. across. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, for sure. You know, but that's for what sure. it kind of reminded me of. And you think about it, these people were on foot in many cases they were hiding yes. in the back of bunk of uh, uh bunkers and things like that you know tr- wagons things like that i mean it was not an easy ride nor an easy Very task mm-hmm. yes and a lot of times they'd put um some kind of a, a gel on their feet so the bloodhounds could not uh, capture the scent of their smell because slave owners would send bloodhounds out and their lives were totally you know in danger um they would i know with eliza and um george harris they found a skiff and found the the little paddles and but they would find it they just grab things and go and it was very very dangerous that they would get caught they would hide in the thickets they um would finally get to their destination after a dangerous journey and and some you know people yelling at them, where are you going? You know, some, some white slave owners. And uh, it was just an incredible journey for them. They finally made it to um, Cincinnati where they were able to meet up with Mrs. Haviland in the Baptist church in, in the basement and get good clothes and find ways to get to underground stations. So it was really, they followed the North star, you know, some of them had, secret uh, sayings that they would say, like, crossover, uh, where are you going? Do you have a friend here? Uh, I'm going to a place of safety. Just different uh, phrases they would use so that when they knocked on a door of the Underground um, Railroad station, that the, the, the person in the station would recognize that it was someone needing help and needing to hide and, and get to the next place safely. And that really is the basis of the Negro spiritual. When you listen to it, mm-hmm. a lot of times I think people misunderstood what really was being said. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a swing low, sweet chariot coming for to carry me yeah. home. Okay, th- that is a yeah. definite code, you know. Or yeah. if you get there before I do, coming for to carry mm-hmm. me home. Tell my friends I'm Love coming. <laughs> you know? Yes, and yes, I think it's about beautiful. When I lived in it in, in Atlanta and in Birmingham, I would travel mm-hmm. home to St. Louis and I would come across the mm-hmm. Ohio River. And when mm-hmm. I, the first time I saw the Ohio River, I'm in my car. It scared me. You know, mm-hmm. just the thought of look at this river and think about people that had to, that could not swim, mm-hmm. that had to cross that as the final step of everything else that they have been going through coming up from Alabama or Georgia or, you know, wherever they're coming from to get Absolutely. to that river was unbelievable yeah, see, that's 
That's right. And I know Mrs. Havlin at times would come up with some funding and she'd be able to put them on a steamer and they would be able to sail across, well, sail and the steam. Right, exactly. <laughs> They'd be able to go across the river. And so that was a lot of the work they did behind the scenes. She worked with Levi Coffin in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, for a good, I don't know, maybe 15 years. And the beauty of that story is that, you know, the National Underground uh, Freedom Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, is the exact place where Levi Coffin's store, furniture store, was located. And to me, that was just, I had chills when I realized that when I went to visit it the first time and made that connection but um, unfortunately, they don't know about Laura Havlin there. I, I took my book, Underground Angel, in there, and they did, you know, they had a few of them. I, and I'm trying to send more to them in their bookstore. But in that beautiful Underground uh, Railroad Freedom Center, there is nothing about, uh, about Laura Havlin and only a very small, minute section on Levi Coffin. So I feel like there's a lot of information that needs to get out there to, to get the bigger picture of of that era and of the, the different Quakers that helped lead uh, in the Underground Railroad. You know, it's interesting what you just said about the Quakers, because many of the people who were involved in the Underground Railroad were involved in the church. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that the mm-hmm. really overall, while, while you still had the church subjugating people in the South, you had mm-hmm. groups that, you know, even themselves were somewhat subjugated, the Amish, the Quakers, Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah. In Laura Havlin's experience, she and her entire family left the Quaker Church, the uh, in Raisin uh, Valley Quaker Church, or the Raisin Friends Quaker Church. Um, But they um, left that church because of their convictions, because the other their their uh, ideology or their their belief was that Quakers could, would not buy or sell any goods from slaves, but that they, didn't, they were not allowed to break the law in order to assist them. And so Laura Havland and her family and some friends stood up and uh, peacefully dissented. Uh, her husband was actually the clerk, well, actually the pastor of the church, and they all decided to leave because of that uh, division. And she became an Episcopal Methodist for 42 years. She always wore her Quaker garb, no matter what, which was really great, because that was the best, um, I guess, disguise or decoy she could have. She was four foot nine inches tall, little Quaker lady in a gray bonnet, and no one ever suspected her. Uh, there were times she would dress slaves up in Quaker, um, the Quaker clothing in order to disguise them as well. I have a story about Maria in my book where she did that and she put powder on her face and they walked right through a crowd of bounty hunters and slave owners that were trying to capture Maria. So to me, it, it's just so fascinating, all of the uh, different ways that, you know, she was able to hide and provide for, for slaves and aid them into safety. I did want to say, too, um, she helped another abolitionist named Calvin Fairbanks, and he was thrown into jail because he was helping a slave who had um, the, the fugitive slave law, you know, they um, 
if they assisted a slave who had actually escaped, but the the slave owner had come back and claimed them a second time, Calvin Fairbanks was assisting this slave again to escape the second time. And he got arrested and thrown into jail uh, in Kentucky. And Laura Havland went into that area and um, she stayed with the jailer. She had these papers from the steamboat captain who gave, gave her, you know, these um, wonderful accolades about her character, who she was. But this jailer where she stayed, um, he was just exactly what you said. He was a Methodist Sunday school teacher who believed God created slavery for the welfare of of the black people. And she <laughs> got into an amazing um, contest with him. Not that she wanted that, but he kept bringing it up over and over again. Why do you feel like the slaves should be freed? And so finally he was exasperated one day and he just said, Mrs. Havlin, I don't know where you get this idea. And she just looked him straight in the eye and said, it comes straight from the lid of the Bible. Oh, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so it was beautiful. And she actually barely got out of that place alive. Um, she He made her wait for weeks to get, she brought him a trunk of warm clothes and a little bit of money, or he would have died in that prison or in that jail, I'm sorry. But um, when they were, the, the jailer was sending all these scurrilous articles about her to the press and got the whole community riled up so that when she left, there was like a crowd again of bounty holders, bounty hunters, slave owners who were trying to capture her. And she just, you know, here she was, four foot nine inches tall, little lady. She thought about crossing the other side of the street after she left the jail, but she thought, nope, I'm going to walk right through the middle of them. And she did, and they never had a clue that she was the little lady they were all upset about. So I just think that's an amazing story. Well, it's kind of like when Jesus was going to be stoned at one point, right? And he just kind of walked yes. away, and people were like, well, where, where is he? <laughs> He just kind of walked away from him. And it just shows you the power of positive energy. Because that's really what that is, is positive energy. That she became invisible to them. And she said, I'm just walking right through the the Daniels, uh, the lion's den, you know, but walks right through it. (laughs) She must have had an amazing life, but probably a pretty scary life at that. Well, her children were fearful for her, but she um, was never, never seemed to really be afraid. You know, she had lost so much in her life. Uh, There was an erysipelas plague of 1845, and she lost five of her closest family members, her baby girl, her husband, her mother, her father, her sister, and a close friend. She started seven different schools. Some people say nine, depending on how you count them. But um, but in this during 1845 is when she uh, she and her family had the Raisin Institute and they had um, black uh, students and they had white students and it was the first integrated school in the state and she took, got a lot of threats for that. But after this plague, so many of her family members passed away. She did have <clears throat> she had seven children. So the six remaining children were old enough that she felt like she could, the Lord told her, you know, that, hey, your children are safe. They're not being torn apart from their parents because of the color of their skin. 
And so she felt like God was calling her to go assist those families who had that specific uh, atrocity, you know, horror happening in their lives on a regular basis. And so she did a lot of things I'm not sure her children knew, but she, you know, just she traveled with the Union Army for the last year of the war. Um, she worked kind of as a nurse slash humanitarian. She got all kinds of um, uh, clothing and supplies that she would get through the Freedom uh, Freedoms Bureau. Uh, and she worked tirelessly at giving them, making clothes, providing things they needed. And she was one of the first people, like at the last year of the war, when um, the, the slaves would walk into freedom, walk into the Union Army, they'd come over. And she was the person that welcomed them in and, and say, thou art free. And, you know, she was just loved it. She was so excited. She, and so, yes, her, I don't know what there is about her, but it just has changed my life and my mission. And I kind of just feel like that's kind of been God's plan all along for me. So. And that is true about you. I do feel that. That was why I was drawn to your description when I was looking mm-hmm. for, you know, really good interviews to talk about legacy, because that's something that needs to be sustained. Mm-hmm. If people mm-hmm. don't remember what others have been through to get to the place mm-hmm. of freedom, and not just her own freedom, she was risking her own freedom for the freedom of Absolutely. others. And it's that belief. She had a what? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. A three a three thousand dollar bounty on her head. Wow, for three decades. Yep, for three decades. So you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a lot. Never got caught. But again, it was that positive energy that allowed mm-hmm. her to be in the places where she was and to be able to sustain. Which again goes back to the fact that you know that good does tra- you know tramp evil. Absolutely. Sometimes we just have to wait. It doesn't happen immediately. Sometimes we have to wait, but there are always people out there that we can count on when we look back at the struggle. We see those people. Yeah, I, and I think my passion, my vision is to really start a national conversation about about all of this, about the ways that we as um, citizens of our country in the United States as we are so, you know, polarized um, and that we forget about uh, the relationships we have with others and how important they are and caring for others in need. Um, And I kind of feel like that's the next step in my journey. Um, I have created a YouTube, it's called Underground Angels YouTube channel and it has seven steps of good trouble that I actually um, acquired from my the writing of my book and her experiences. As I just felt like I lived the, her experiences with her, which I know that sounds crazy, but I just it was just so amazing. I just almost lost myself in all of this, right? And the seven steps, you know, of course, the, the theme of good trouble, um, I think, is the signature saying of John Senator John Lewis. Right. And that if you see something wrong, if you see something evil, if you, you should do something about it, you need to step in and, and do something. And so I'm not trying to take away from anything that he said or has done. But just I saw these these same signs in 19th century abolitionism and in the life of Laura Haviland. And so, uh, if you don't mind, I'll share these steps with you. Please do. Um, 
So a first one is become a friend to someone completely different from yourself. And we have a difficult time doing that, I think, in our country today. And step two really builds on that is, is seek to understand them with compassion and care, you know, um, rather than just, you know, living in our own little, um, I don't know, our own little nook of people, our own little culture, rather than stepping out and really uh, understanding others with that kind of compassion and care. The third one is respect, that we should respect everyone. And Laura Havland even respected this jailer that she totally disagreed with, but she spoke what she believed, but she still respected him as a person, even though, you know, that's something we struggle with, you know, because it's all about our rights today. But I think respect goes a long way in helping bridge that gap that we have uh, in different ideologies that you know, are touted today. So step four is do not judge, avoid stereotypes and labels. And boy, are we stuck in that today. Um, We do this so much and don't even realize that we do it. But Laura Havlin went into the world of slavery as a spy at different times to discover the truth because she heard a lot of labels, a lot of stereotypes. People ridiculed her or told her slavery wasn't as bad as she thought it was. So she actually went undercover to discover what it really was. And boy, she had the eye-opening experiences of her life in doing that. Uh, Number five is passionately promote nonviolent change and action. And yes, I feel like the civil rights movement was so right in so many things, and yet we've gotten away from those different values that was that really brought even uh, Senator Lewis into the national eye. I mean, the national um, recognition because he was nonviolent. Um, and when he crossed that bridge, you know, and with with Martin um, Luther King and others, and he was beaten up. I mean, I just feel like, wow, we have just really lost that step in some way. Um, so then, step six is seek truth and not talking points. And, um, you know, Laura Havland realized that the concept that um, a human being would never be considered another person's property. That was just a lie. And it was a lie for economic reasons, for all kinds of reasons, control, power. Um, And we hear all kinds of propaganda today about those things. And so we really need to seek truth and not talking points. And then number seven is to take a stand for forgiveness, sacrifice, and love, even if it means you must break the law to do it. And um, I think, you know, the law is present to protect and promote well-being for all. But when it doesn't do that, it's necessary to take a stand. If it's done through love and sacrifice, I know forgiveness is so hard, and I realize that I have not had those experiences that many of our um, many of our black brothers and sisters that have experienced. But I I do know that forgiveness is the only way we can truly get past some of those things. Um, so um, I believe it's a message for our country today if we're going to survive the divisions in our society in 21st century. Um, It will because love and forgiveness has united us to do that. So those are my seven steps. Um, I just just saw so many of those steps in her activity and the work she did. And 
Um, so I just, I don't know, that was amazing to me. That is amazing. And I'd like to go back to your book, Underground Angel. Where can people mm-hmm. get that book? Well, you can get it off of my website, undergroundangel.net. That's one way. And I would actually sign it and send it to you. Okay. <laughs> um, get your pen out right I'll... now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you. Underground. <laughs> off... Underground. Yes, undergroundangel.net. Dot net. Mm-hmm. Okay. All and right. then the, the, of course, you can also get it on Amazon. And I, I think I sell a lot of them on Amazon, which is great, too. I'm not, yes, it is. I won't complain. However, <laughs> they want to get it. So uh, I, it's really big print because I just feel like um, I know that I want young people to really get into this, too. But I know a lot of our seniors uh, really uh, sometimes appreciate some of these stories. And I wanted to make sure that they could get the benefit of reading it without having to get a magnifying glass. <laughs> exactly. And then your channel, you said you have a channel on YouTube? Yes. It's also the Underground Angel uh, channel okay. underground underground angel youtube channel youtube yeah. channel. or you could put my name in there is cheryl wide it's s-h-e-r-y-l and then we can get right to your youtube channel as well yes 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 well you certainly have a wealth of information and and, and the thing that's interesting to me is your passion it's not that I go back to what I said from the very beginning. It's not like this mm-hmm. is just a hobby or a passing fancy with you, but you have actually mm-hmm. immersed your life into mm-hmm. this cause. But what's interesting was I, that at first I thought that that the cause came first and then you moved to Haviland, Kansas or to Pratt, mm-hmm. Kansas, but it's, it was the other way around. It really was. Um, I moved here in 1995 right after the Oklahoma City bombing. And I lost a dear friend in the bombing, and um, she would used to she used to challenge me, and she would say, "Cheryl, you should do what what you love. You should go after your passion." Because I was just young, I was trying to figure out, you know, what do, I had a couple of degrees, and I didn't know which direction I wanted to go. And so when she passed, it was just I don't know that just kept coming to my mind, you know, that like she said, and of course I. I prayed about it and all that, but it just seemed like with her passing, it was just so, um, so prominent in my thinking that I needed to pursue the passion because God had placed it in my heart. And so coming out here, um, you know, this is a small town. People would <laughs> probably, I was in culture shock for several days because <laughs> I didn't have, you know, um, fast food restaurant or one hour dry cleaning or, you know, with, I don't know, all that stuff we used to do. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but, you know, then I, then I realized, um, wow, this lady is a treasure. And I still, I, I am the person in the community that they've supported me greatly. I appreciate it so much, but I still, I go talk to the school here and I, I've gone to talk to different schools, but I just don't think sometimes people appreciate their heritage enough or the legacy that's been left to them to pass on to others. And so that's, that's why I feel so deeply about it. And it's a good thing, and you use the right word, the legacy. The legacy that has been mm-hmm. created has to be sustained. And as we look mm-hmm. at, like, the Haviland Heritage Foundation, a nonprofit mm-hmm. organization, how can people support the work of the foundation? Well, um, we we have changed. We I started Haviland Heritage Foundation, 
and um, it is still going today, but um, they they can get on our website, the Havilland Heritage Foundation dot uh, org. Um, I think it might be hhf.org or just go to Havilland, Kansas. There's a link there that will take you to the foundation. We're trying to do some incredible things so that we can have a place to um, have a living museum here that tells Laura Havilland's story and um, that we would get, you know, um, travelers who were on Highway 54 so that we could get some tourism that people would come in. I believe my coffin has a beautiful uh, home like that where they just, it's like a living museum and it's, you interact with things, the videos and uh, you walk through the house and you hear the stories and they live it out. And I would just love to have something like that here in Havilland, Kansas to really make this come alive for people. Well, I believe that with your energy, it will. (laughs) (laughs) I have absolutely no doubt. So underground angel available on Amazon available on undergroundangel.net. You can check out Cheryl White YouTube's channel. Um, Go to the Haviland Heritage Foundation. You can go to Haviland, Kansas, whatever. You can find out more information about Mrs. Laura Smith Haviland and the work that she did in the 19th century. And not only that, find out how it relates to what we're dealing with today. I thought that the mental state of our country and those seven steps from good trouble is a great mm-hmm. place for people to start on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Last words from thank you, Dr. You. White. Well, I thank you so much for just this opportunity and for, you know, just giving me this space where I could share my passion and my vision. And I just have had a great time. Thank you so very much. Well, the pleasure has certainly been ours. And I know that our audience is going to really enjoy this conversation. Hopefully they'll get in touch with you and maybe even drive down highway. You said 54? Yes. Through uh Kansas and stop in and be (laughs) Mm -hmm. one of the first tourists. I think that legacy tourism, that's what we have to start. Legacy tourism. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, the light Mm -hmm. just went on. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) thanks again for your insight and for your dedication to this cause. And I thank our audience for tuning in one more week and learning about the heritage and legacies of great people throughout our country. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you again Mm -hmm. next week. Thank you.